All right, this is a LinkedIn Live interview that I did. I don't drop all of these. Uh, if you want to make sure to catch all of them, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Philip Washington is my name. Uh, follow me there. But I, I'm interviewing Benjamin Van from Impact Ventures, talking about uh, black tech, venture capital in the African-American and minority space. For maybe probably 30, 40% of the interview, uh, you'll hear like a little bit of noise um, coming from the microphone. We were doing it out of studio uh, and one of the mics were just not working properly, but uh, we, we got it fixed a little bit through, but you can hear most of it. So, But for, for those of you who are uh, technically advanced, do your best to <laughs> ignore that and listen, because you can hear most of everything that we're saying. All right, y'all, we are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple, LinkedIn Live with Benjamin J. Van. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Philip? How's, how's it going, man? Glad to be here. Man, life is great. How, how about you? How, how, how's, how's daddy life, man? Oh, man, it is, is amazing. Uh, it's been up, up and down, man, just trying to keep them, you know, healthy. Literally every two to three weeks, you know, being in daycare is just, it's, you know, as a parent, you can't be there all the time. And so you just got to, you know, when it happens, you just got to try to provide the best care you can. Um, but, man, it's, it's been amazing. My, my two-year-old, it's funny, I got to tell this quick story before we start. He, uh, he was mocking me the other day. And uh, my wife and I, we didn't realize, we're like, is he mocking me? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, he's at that age now. I got got a two-year-old and then I got a um, a 10 and a half month um, old. So they're 16 months apart. And he's at the age where hearing go to bed, is like he never heard it before. It's like (laughs) when it's time to go to bed, it's like they've never heard you say that ever in life. You know, it's like their first time hearing it. And so, you know, well, I'm like, okay, hey, time to get in the bed. So put him in the bed. He's crying the whole time. So I, you know, sometimes I, I, I bust in his room. I'm like, hey, be quiet. It's time to go to bed, go to sleep. And so me and the wife were in his room one day. I think we were just like sorting out his dirty clothes or something like that. And he busts, he busts in the room and he's like, go to bed, go to sleep. But he's like jibber jab because he doesn't know how to talk yet. He's only two. And so he's like, he's like, jibber, 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 jibber. and then he slams the door. And we were just looking at him like, what is he talking about? So then he busts back in. And he's like, rah, 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 slam the door. <laughs> I'm like, is he mocking me? <laughs> That's how you looked at him? <laughs> yeah. So we figured it out. He was mocking me. He was telling us to go, get in the bed, go to sleep, be quiet. And, and it was just, it's just so funny to like, you know, when you see your kid mm-hmm. mocking you or just like, you know, you just see their brain turning like, oh man, like he's noticing everything that I'm doing and saying like mannerisms and everything so it was just crazy it was one of those moments we we laughed for about 20 minutes straight uh when he was doing that so <laughs> yeah man kid, kid, kids are a good reflection man you go you go dang is that is that really how i look <laughs> right <laughs> i mean he was busting in the door like jiggling the doorknob and everything <laughs> yeah it, it, it reminds me of last last night you know Ke- kelly Ke- kelly never watched uh you know, Sex in the City, so she's getting caught up before this movie come out. And, oh, man. Uh, and then my, my youngest, who's seven, who he re- he really hears everything. <laughs> he, he was like, she's like, go upset up and watch my grown-up show. He's like, what you about to watch, Sex in the City? <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> he already knew. <laughs> he already knew. 
Oh man, so uh, so we were talking about venture capital, man, and and you know, um, we, we, I, I'm trying to, man, this was this was well before black venture capital was cool. Um, right. I'm trying, I'm trying to think. I mean, you were like, it was. We met when you were at this older home. Uh, uh, was it like Fair Park area or East Dallas area? You you had like a a, 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 a co-working space, and you were yeah. you were getting started. And this is like before Black Venture Capital was like even a, like a word. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was. And so, uh, so like a lot has happened since then. Because I think at that time I didn't even know what venture capital was. Like I just I was like I don't know California. Like is that is it, is it like a bank in California? Uh, <laughs> right, Silicon Valley Bank is that right? Yeah, yeah you broke it down. So, man, to, you know, t- talk to me, t- tell everybody, like, you know, what Impact House does, a little bit about your journey, then we'll get into like the the trend, the, the, the journey of venture capital that you've seen from then to now, yeah, uh, in, into the community, definitely. So, um, CEO Impact Ventures, we're a Dallas based, um, uh, Impact First Fund and Accelerator that focuses on um, helping what we call talented and underestimated um, black and brown communities to build generational wealth um, through mentorship, education, uh, community, and capital. And so we do that um, a number of ways um, through our three pillars of ecosystem building, where we um, host a number of summits, um, networking events, hackathons, things that bring community together to learn and to build awareness around, again, these topics that most of us are not aware of in the black community. Um, And then our second pillar, inclusive entrepreneurship, where we offer um, training programs that help build the capacity of existing um, small businesses and entrepreneurs, right? So it's an accelerator program where, depending on your type of business, whether you're a CPG company or whether you're a tech startup company, Uh, We have different tracks that you can take, uh, 12-week programs where you get access to mentors, advisors, um, education. We introduce you to corporations, um, you know, the whole kind of gambit of building like this support community around the entrepreneur. Um, And then lastly, integrated capital. We actually have a uh, Texas's first integrated capital fund uh, where we look at investing and lending from a perspective of how do we align capital to the needs of community and entrepreneurs, right? Um, in our ecosystem, in our community, or just in our, our economy right now, it's the other way around where the entrepreneur has to fit the capital product, right? We know that there's an SBA loan. We know the SBA loan has certain qualifications, certain credit scores, certain collateral. You have, like all these things, the box that you have to check to be able to say you can get this capital, right? And then on the other side, venture capital has this very unique um, set of growth demands, right? Like if you're a venture-backed company, the expectations are that you're going to sell a company one day or you're going to IPO. There's going to be some type of liquidity event. And it's going to be a really, really high growth opportunity with like really, really large margins, right? And what we realize is that most Black and Browners don't fit either one of those categories. They fit somewhere in between. And so when we mean integrated capital, we mean the use of both financial and non-financial resources to help entrepreneurs grow. And so we use all the products that are in between, um, like, you know, revenue-based financing, royalty financing, purchase order financing. These are all flexible debt types of products. Um, and then we use patient equity, like structured exits. We use um, convertible notes, safes, um, you know, all the things that, that entrepreneurs need especially entrepreneurs of color that need to, to grow more organically and retain, you know, more equity and control 
in their company. So we're, we're um, definitely a different type of VC, as you would say, maybe a values-based VC or maybe a impact first um, type of investor. Um, but we've been doing that work since 2016. And in doing that work, we've, we've been both pioneers and, and we've seen the trend grow, right? So when you talk about, you know, we were kind of doing this before Black Venture was a cool thing to do. And now all the young kids, you know, have opportunities. I mean, this didn't exist when I was in college. And so, you know, I often talk about, and you'll probably see the book back there that I read called Why Do White Guys Get to Have All the Fun? That was my first introduction into the world of private equity, venture capital, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera, right? Uh, reading that book uh, by the late, you know, um, great. Um, and so, um, you know, my first time actually meeting a black VC was, I was, I think, 28, 30 years old in Dallas, Texas, right? And so growing up, like originally I wanted to be an architecture uh, uh, architect, um, and so I was an architecture major, but I had a football scholarship. And at this time, I went to a, a D2 school, Division II school where I had a scholarship. And the, the classes that were offered for architecture were offered during the times that I had football practice. So I had to choose like, OK, my scholarship or, you know, <laughs> these hours, the studio hours. And so, of course, I went with my, my scholarship because I was paying for my school. And so I ended up being a finance major. Um, but at that time, again, I didn't really get exposure to high finance and all those things to like my last year of college where, you know, I was done playing football, but I still had like a semester and a half to go, you know, to graduate. Um, I joined Washburn Finance Society um, and I was chosen um, nationally to go to a conference um, called uh, CUNAPAC University's Game um, Forum. And so Game stands for Global Asset Management Exchange Forum. And so me and two students, exchange students from um, China, went to New York um, to be a part of this global asset management forum where they were talking about all the things in, the, you know, what they call high finance. So that's like stocks, bonds, you know, when, you, when you're watching like hard money and, and, and <laughs> all those shows, it's those guys and what they're talking about, the latest trends of, of, of the stock market and venture capital and private equity. And so, of course, I was one of the very few black, you know, students there from across the U.S. that were there. So... I was like, wow, this is a this is a whole world, right, that existed um, that, that I, I didn't grow up. I didn't have someone in my neighborhood who was a wealth manager. You know, I didn't I didn't grow up with someone down the street or someone at my church that, you know, uh, could talk about investing or real estate investing or venture capital investing. And so uh, like like often a lot of my you know, of our peers, we don't we can't be what we can't see. So mm -hmm. for me, it was really around just like creating the life that I wanted. Right. Uh, I saw that this was going to be a huge trend, especially being in Texas, where most of venture capital is really known on the coast, you know, Silicon Valley, kind of West Coast um, and then Boston, New York, East Coast, you know, on that side. But knowing that eventually those those, um, you know, oligarchies, if you will, of, of the VC world, we're going to have to break down mm -hmm. because the world that we live in is democratized in every way and shape and form like access to information made it easier for everyone to not be gatekeepers anymore, right? And so what that means is that not only are ideas spreading, but people spread those ideas and people move from, they migrate, right? And so now you have all these little hotspots of venture capital starting to pop up in Houston, in Austin, Dallas, Denver, um, Nebraska. Like people don't know Nebraska has a huge startup community. Like you know, 
Omaha yeah, has we're, a huge, yeah. Right, right, right there with Buffett, all that money that he made and passing down and yeah. You know, Tulsa is now starting to pop up with, you know, with Black Wall Street and a lot of things that are happening there with the Kaiser Family Foundation and, 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 and things that they're doing there with Attendo Capital and Lightship. And I mean, and so when you see that, um, that's what you're seeing now with this trend with now Black Venture becoming a thing, because, again, the ideas are spreading, the knowledge and information is being transferred from one generation to the next. Now it's not something that you have to be a part of the good old boys club you know, in, in the, in the back smoky room to know what's, you know, Hey, what deals are coming out? What, you know, what hot startups are, are, are growing right and now it's accessible where, you know, um, people are sharing deals, you know, literally sending text messages with people's pitch decks, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just like that, the information is spreading and now you're seeing a whole generation of black and Brown people that are like, Hey, I want to, this is what I want for my life. Right. And so now you have the people and the intermediaries in between that are saying, how can we galvanize resources and support networks like Black VC that basically takes undergrads um, through a venture capital, essentially fellowship, so they can learn about the industry and be ready to be hired, you know, once they complete, you know, college, like those things didn't exist. And so now you have all these different programs and fellowships and things that are exposing people to an industry that, um, while it's not like we were just talking about before we started the, the talk, you know, asset class is very small in terms of uh, the, the industry as a whole, in terms of capital. If you think about capital markets, right? Mm-hmm. Industry of venture capital is very small. But again, the, the risk versus the reward, it, there's very high opportunities for returns um, and outsized returns that you can gain to build wealth really fast in this industry. So that's why people gravitate to it because the stakes are so high where you're creating literally millionaires and billionaires overnight. Um, uh, But unfortunately, there's still a lot of work to do um, on on both sides to get more folks like us involved in the industry. No, man, you you, you hit on some points that I want to ask more clarification about. But before I keep going, it, it was uh, your your mic or your headphone. Is there something like brushing against the thing? Because because when you when you talk every now and then it's something. Okay, something. it's probably just when I move. Ah, uh, so okay, I'll, yeah, that I'll, thing. I'll, I'll hold it up like this. Yes, uh, but no, man, because and as you were talking, I was like, it is a small piece, and it's funny how history doesn't repeat exactly, but it rhymes. Because when you when you, uh, you probably read it, but when I read like the old books of early financing of America, because like railroads were mm-hmm. the, anything that connects commerce, so like railroads did it. Before that, it was ships, uh, then cars. Right now, the internet connects. But people who were financing the railroads, the 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 uh, the Rockefellers, the, 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 yeah. Rockefellers, the, the J- J.P. Morgan, that was venture capital. They became the old stodgy banks that require SBA loans. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But now you have the new money that's financing the new way to connect, like you were saying. So uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of money to be made by the financiers of that of this new age and um and then there's a lot of opportunities for businesses that are playing in these new fields so that's leads to my next question is how 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 much of what you do is educating african-american business owners uh about like the business opportunities that are uh in the new age versus trying to do what was done in the past that already worked. That's already, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's part of the old world. 
Because I think yeah. a, I think a big hang up people who say I'm not getting any money. I'm like because you're trying to do a business that's not part of the new world. So right. you, you got to go to a bank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say uh, you know 100 percent of what we do as a especially as a nonprofit is around educating the folks around opportunities within this this space. Um, you know, through our accelerator programs, you know, we we take in those those folks that come in and maybe they have an idea or maybe they have an MVP. Um, most of them will have an MVP because that's one of the requirements, you know, to, to be in the program. But um, and, and, and explain that for the folks that, that that don't know what MVP is. Yeah. So they'll have a minimum viable product. Right. So they have a they have a product, at least that's in the market, um, whether it's a tech product, you know, a consumer you know, product, food based product, et cetera, uh, that has some type of innovation to it, whether it be technology, um, tech enabled or, or tech driven through some type of intellectual property or IP. Um, we often spend a lot of time um, educating them on the opportunities that exist in the industry, right? So how do you align your product, right, with the right capital um, or with the right market opportunity, right? Because a lot of the times, for example, there's a, there's a huge um, growing population of, of like engineers and, and innovators and people in Africa that are literally like, developing the, 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 the world's next future technology, right? But because the infrastructure of, of places in Africa, let's just use Nigeria as, a, as, an, as an example, because that's where a lot of them um, are, because the, the Western civilization has not caught up to the infrastructure there, a lot of their products go dormant or a lot of their opportunities, you know, go dormant or they they, they, they don't grow or they don't catch fire or they don't, you know, go viral or they don't, you know, they don't pop. And part of that is not because the ideas are not great or not because the technology is not impactful, but the infrastructure in which they live in does not support that, right? Does not support that innovation, right? If you barely have street signs and, you know, like how do you have mm -hmm. Uber in a place where you don't even, you know, like there's not even landmarks a lot. Of, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. when you have developing countries like that, that have these this huge growing population of innovators and people that are developing next level technology and they're and they're looking at, well, oh, I'm not getting funded. Right. It's about that alignment. It's like, well, how are you aligning your product? Well, if you built those products, those same products in the U.S., they would be millionaires. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. They would be yeah. millionaires. Because there's infrastructure to support the innovation that is is growing there, right? And so, um, oftentimes it's just it's just helping them understand timing, um, helping them understand market demands. I mean, of course, right now where we're on this like lingering financial crisis, where one day is is you know is Armageddon, and the next day we're we're, we're peaches and cream. We never know. Um, that also affects the industry, right? Um, that affects you know the cost of capital. Um, it makes the cost of capital more expensive. Um, it makes um, investors uh, uh, less risky in terms of how they deploy because they know that capital is, is expensive. Um, once they deploy it and, you know, let's say market factors determine um, market factors act negatively against their portfolio. Right. Um their LPs or their investors or limited partners that invest in their fund you know, they might be a little hesitant to do fund two, you know, mm -hmm. or fund three, because you as a, um, as a money manager, which people don't 
necessarily know this sometimes, but venture capitalists or VCs are actually money managers, right? Mm -hmm. So they invest other people's money, right? They take limited partners money and they invest other. So it's not their money. They might have some personal capital into the fund as a requirement, right? As a general partner, but they're investing other people's money. And so what that means is, you know, because they're not understanding how to ride the ways of economic currents, their LPs or limited partners might be hesitant to do another round of capital for them. So what that does, that dries up powder in the ecosystem where entrepreneurs are feeling, why am I not getting funding? Well, it's not always because you're black. It's not always because you don't have a great idea. Market conditions also can dictate, dictate that too. But that's all about, that's understanding the market, that under, that's, that's around the education, the awareness. So when you, when you ask like, what are we, how, how often or how involved are we in educating people 100% involved in educating, educating entrepreneurs in what's going on in today's landscape? And, and another question on that same front, this, this is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this hypothesis that's in my head out to you. I know you, I know you intuitively feel it, but I just want to get your perspective on like the market's recognition of it and like funding for it. Right. So, so like when the world changes, it creates all new investment opportunities to just take every, every idea we organize around and then like reshape it. So I, I use the example of, so like we grew up and, and I love true Lux. True Lux is a great, uh, great restaurant, great food. I'm just using it as an example, but, but, but once you get a taste of going to like a, uh, whiskey's bar, you know what I'm saying? Like, which is, which is beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you understand, Oh, we can have, we can have whiskey's meets true luck. Right. Or what Kevin Kelly is doing all across the, um, all across the U S uh, with, with kitchen and cocktail, but like all of these concepts, be, because here's what we do know, right. You got the, the yin and yang of like business, which is money and culture. Right. And so, the, the the culture like we own because everybody comes everybody absorbs our culture like everybody in the world yeah. asia europe america europeans in america they all absorb our culture and so now we're getting access to the money so we can take that money and just reshape the way things are done and add our culture to it which means like all these places that we spend our money that are not not you know what i'm saying and i love the i love the chicken and waffle spots right i mean because even that though man because you probably been to Hattie B's over in Deep Ellum, yeah. And it's like a fancy place where they put like bread on top of the chicken. <laughs> We've been doing that, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm saying, like that gentrified chicken, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, do, do, I mean, do do you see like I see it happen? I'm like, man, we ought to be we ought to be all on top of that, you know? Yeah. Like, like one 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 example of that is actually um, you probably heard of it called Earn Your Leisure, right? Yeah, the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Earn Your Leisure podcast, they're actually creating a, a conference called InvestFest, right? Mm -hmm. um, InvestFest has some of the, I mean, some of the most world, some of the most known celebrities and, um, and, and, and black business owners um, headlining like that. So this is the first time in history that you've had this level of the culture, entertainment, right? Which is, you know, you know entertainment is what we really mean when we say the culture, mm -hmm. um, uh, focused around building awareness around financial literacy. And so you have people like Robert Smith, you know, headline, you have people like P Diddy, you know, that are headlining um, this event. And so it, it, it's a, 
I forget how many days it is, but I think it's like a three or four day um, uh, conference around financial literacy, around investing, around real estate, like anything around investing you can think of. Mm. Um, it, but it also combines like financial empowerment and investing and, and, and wealth building strategies with like culture and entertainment. So, you know, think of like um, South by Southwest meets like, uh. you know what I mean? And so there's a ton of like, concerts and music and entertainment but at the same time it's like uplifting around like hey we're gonna kick it and have fun but also like did you know about these five two nine accounts that you should be opening for your kids Mm -hmm. you know do you know about um uh um um, putting your money and putting your assets in trust right and and able to protect your assets so they're 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 educating the folks the the community the, the culture the people that's one example of what you see now where we've taken, now that we have access to the money, now we've, now we've taken it and wrapped it in our own flavor uh-huh. and, and then represented it back to the, our community and said, this is our flavor. Like, yeah. taste this and see, yeah. you know, that is good. But I feel like we're going to see more of that. You know, like Afrotech was kind of like the, I would say the, the, um, the, the, the match that lit the fire. When Afrotech came out, and also, I think what helped them is Jay Z mentioned it in one of his uh, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people were like, "Afrotech, what's that?" And so, <laughs> like, yeah, so they, they they got a little boost there. But nevertheless, they were the first to think about how do we how do we um, become the voice in the ear and the eyes of the black upperly mobile millennial person that is going to be the future leaders and world changers of the world, right? And they were able to capture the essence of, of you know, of you and I as older older millennials, maybe younger Gen X, um, uh, of, of the things that we're interested in the world. Like, what does the world look like that we're inheriting and that we're, we're building for the future? Which, which you talked about, you know, when you go to a school and you talk to, you know, some great, you know, let's say middle school kids and you ask them what they want to be, like the policeman and the firefighter and the like, <laughs> like that's boring to them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, I want to be a YouTuber. Right, yeah. they're they're making money playing Fortnite right now. They're like they want to be like, and I don't even know any 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 guys' names, but like there was a kid that won like several million dollar gaming tournament or something like that you know like those are the those are their role models now yeah, my, guys my, who's, yeah like my, my, my boys want to be Corey kenshin zx mini they got all you know all these <laughs> guys that are that that like you said they they play games but they really i mean it's it's a lot of them that are just you know making money off of building entertaining people around video games i mean they're right. they're planning people to watch it i'm like this dude has 15 million views you know, 15 million views. I mean, not People, views. I mean, uh, subscribers, not well, views. Yeah, subscribers. <laughs> so the so the world that that we're inheriting and that we're building for our future sons is 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 different. And when you say like, you know, how are you seeing the culture kind of like responding to that? You'll you're going to see more of these things to where now InvestFest is not. I mean, it's probably going to be like the the you know the top the top shelf version of itself. But now you're gonna see these little like watch when you you'll see in a few years somebody in Dallas will be popping up with with their own financial literacy conference where they influence hip hop and mm-hmm. all these different genres mm-hmm. and like yeah. like you'll you'll you're gonna see it here in Dallas pretty soon. Um, 
those are the things that we're seeing now. Our, our culture is saying, like, how do we flip this and put it in our language so that so that we can understand it and we can gravitate to it? And I, yeah. and I think it's amazing. No, I, I love it, man. Because it, it, and it's so it's so many of us out here that are like hitting out strides and making making money. And I don't I think maybe because the nature of what you and I do, we see it like yeah. everybody's surprised yeah. when they go when they go. They'll they'll meet they'll meet me and Kelly and they'll oh I really like you I would, you know uh, we need to hang out more and I'd be like yeah, yeah. I say there's a lot of us out here doing it I don't really see that many I'm like nah man like it's a whole bunch of us like just in DFW I gotta say DFW because right they might live in Frisco South Lake Cedar Hill Grand Prairie Mansfield Midlothian but all over you know what I mean we everywhere yeah. No, it's 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 a growing thing where it's like I see you, you know, um, and 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 when we get a chance to connect, it's it's just all love, and we always try to spread. We always try to think of ways that how do we how do we bring more people into this like let's call it an awakening, you know, um, mm-hmm. of of new opportunities um, to 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 build something that we never experienced our families to be able to 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 truly build, you know. Uh, and really, it's generational wealth, right? Like, how do we build things that we can pass down to our families um, to continue that 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 legacy? And, and here's the last point that I wanna that I wanna hit on. And you kind of you kind of briefly mentioned it, man. I think I think a lot of in order to in order to get to where to do something that you were able to do, where I mean, you literally were just feeling your way through the world because there was there was no template. For it, right? You just, because uh, again, I remember the early conversations. You were just like, you know, and I'm sure you, you. This is a compliment to you, so it's not exposed. It's not exposing anything in a negative way. Like when we yeah. were talking, you like you had no clue how it was going to happen, but you had, a, you had an unyielding faith that it was going to happen, man. So just talk about that, man. Because a lot of a lot of folks that are in your position or doing things, they, 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 they'll get on the, they'll get on the platform and they'll go, yeah, I had this foolproof plan and da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, you don't like no, nobody who I knew, like all of us were clueless as we were building it. It was literally like, it was literally like, um, I don't know what your first car was, but I had <laughs> My 2002 Ford Tempo. Oh, oh no, man. no, no, not 2002, 92 Ford. Oh, okay. I was about to say you had a 2002. Ah. <laughs> I had a 90, I think I had a 93 Chrysler LeBron, uh, LeBaron. Mm. And the Chrysler LeBaron, they had the drop top, but it was manual. So you had to get out and like pull that junk back. <laughs> like it, it wasn't where you just had a button and it just, the top came back. Like, no, you had to get out. And so I remember, you know, pulling it down in the, in the rain, the mug would get stuck. And you- <laughs> <laughs> I got water all in my car. I got to pull under a gas station or something so I could pull my hood up. You know, hey, man, I was in high school. I didn't, you know, I, all I knew was I had a drop top. I didn't care what kind. Of drop <laughs> I, had. I just know the top came off. And so, um, but, I, but I remember sometimes my, um, I had issues with my headlight. And I think it was like a, uh, what are those things called? Uh, uh, uh Dang, what are those things called that they, they're under the hood, um, which are electrical? Um, the circuit, the circuits. Okay. So you know how you can get under under the bottom of the steering wheel and you can pull out the little circuits and mm-hmm. they represent, yeah. 
So I think I had a bad circuit or something, but I remember driving at night and my, my lights were very, very low. <laughs> and so imagine only being able to see like maybe five to 10 feet in front of you. That that's what it was like building what mm. I'm building, where all I could see was literally like the next step in front of me. And it was crazy because no matter how many strategic plans I put together, no matter how many roadmaps I put together, like I feel like God ripped them up, all of them. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was like, you're gonna follow this plan, and this plan I'm only gonna show you when you're ready to see it. Right. And so each step, honestly, um, and, 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 I, and I think, so I, actually, I just took this test today um, called, a, I was listening to one of my leadership podcasts called Working Genius. And it's an assessment that allows you to see what, um, there's six different types of work. And um, it's, a, it's a tool, an assessment tool that you can take and you can give to your team that allows you to see um, what type of work is, uh, is um, your best work that excites you and what type of work can you tolerate? And then what kind of work um, should you stay away from, right? I'll give you an example. Um, I'm a uh, invention and discernment person. So that means I love like new ideas and new solutions, but I also have um, uh, discernment to like be able to see very quickly from, from like ideation to solution, like if this is gonna work or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a, it's an intuitive, thing about me. I have a gut feeling or intuitive about me that I can feel if or see if something's going to work very quickly. I can get to one solution to another very quickly. And um, my um, for me, if I used to work in finance and when I worked in finance, they, they told me I was too salesy. <laughs> um, part of that reason was because finance is very cut and dry. So think of like an accountant which we often sometimes call like bean counters or mm -hmm. so if I'm in a job where I have to do the same thing every day, I am drained. It's like depressing. I am, I'm just depressing. I'm not doing my best work. If, if I, if I have to wake up every day and like, for example, every month I had spreadsheets and I had numbers that I had to produce to senior leadership. It was the same thing every month. There wasn't a change to it. There wasn't a change to the process. Like I would try to like, automate the process they didn't want me to do that because then because then i wanted to go off and learn something else so like, i automated the process literally but no they have it timed out how long it's going to take you it's a very manual process so if you think about like the different there's six different types of um of work and so what i what i found is that in in each of those different types of work at least at least for me the example for me is if I'm doing something different every day and I get to be creative and I can have flexibility, like that's the type of work that I, that I, that I enjoy. So fast tracking back to like building the organization, man, it, it like really every bit of part of it was really like a, a, a journey where, where God was like, you have to follow this, this step, this journey. And, I, and, and I'm not going to tell you the, the, the direction or, or when to turn, until you're ready. So it's like imagining mm -hmm. like you, you have a GPS that the GPS only turns, tells you when to turn, when it's like, when you right at the turn, <laughs> like that, it, that's a hard GPS to follow. Like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> like it only tells you turn right when you get right to the turn, not like, okay, a hundred feet above, you're going to turn right. That's what it felt like, man. And so not having that blueprint and not having um, that, it really, it grew me in, in so many ways that I had to, 
A, a, I had to have a strong sense of faith, right? Just internally within, within and confidence within myself that the life that I could see very clearly in my mind's eye was possible. Um, but I also had to learn how to trust that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say like they're self-made or like, you know, self-made entrepreneur, they did it all themselves. Like no one, no one in, the, in this world is a hundred percent self self-made. Right. Um, we, you might've spent a lot of time by yourself, <laughs> right. <laughs> cause, cause it's a very lonely journey. Um, but none of us, are truly self-made in a way where we didn't have to rely on somebody on the opposite end to make an opportunity for us. And so it really allowed me to trust people in a different way that I never really had before. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was because my early experiences with people were just, they were just shysty, man. It's just like my early experiences with working with, with people, especially our people is, was just that everybody was out for themselves. It was, what can you do for me? It was, um, it, it was just a rugged individualism mindset, not not the community, not the collective mindset that, that I had been raised with. But I also thought that, like, was the best way to go. So I had to I had to figure out how to retrust, you know, people again and, and trust my instincts around people um, to build because you couldn't I, I couldn't do this alone. Right. Mm. And so um, being in the space where we are now, I, I still feel like there's a lot of like fortune telling that we have to do as an organization um, just because it, it's Texas, it's the <laughs> South, you know, there's just not a lot of progressive thinking, you know, um, uh, groups of black people that have the confidence with themselves to do things that are outside the norm. Right. Um, if you, if, yeah. No, no, no. Keep, keep talking. I, I was going to interject and say it's like it's like in the Bible. Whenever Jesus said, uh, 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 Peter, you're going to reject me three times. He's like, no, I won't. He's like, OK, like I read Jesus as like <laughs> the dream, right? The dream that we all want. It, it gets rejected three three times in the Bible means like conviction. Right. So, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But keep going. Yes. And, 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 and with that, it, it's it's hard to find like minded folks to build with and build adjacent to, right? And when I say adjacent, I mean, I mean like, for example, you and I, we're building like completely separate things, but adjacently like we're, we know we align because we're about progress. We're about like, how do we move our, our, our families forward? You know, how do we create legacy for ourselves? So we align on those, even though we're doing completely different things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's also understanding like the creator mindset versus the employee mindset or mm -hmm. the, you know, and like that's a different thing too. It's, it's almost like watching Django and they're like, who is that? <laughs> Who's on that horse? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, no, that's, facts. You, that's, that's a good, that's a good analogy. <laughs> it's like watching Django and, and, and you like, I've never seen a black man on a horse before. And, you know, and, and all you've known, for several generations is that that's illegal. <laughs> like, like that's how real it is. This is yeah. illegal for you yeah. to be up on a horse. Like, and so um, it, it's, it's often challenging because what I had to do early on for inspiration was I had to travel a lot. Right. So I would go spend time in Boston and Chicago, you know, and in Oakland 
in different parts of, 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 of um, the Bay Area. Um, and I had to meet people that were doing this work, Black people that were doing this work in, in these different cities and um, really bringing them into my kitchen, you know, cabinet and, and, and like saying, like, like, how are you like, how are you doing this? And what, you know, um, what support did you bring in? You know, who like, where's the white man behind the picture with the strings attached? Like, you know, <laughs> like that's yeah. like, like, like people look at me and they, and they, they think that they're like, well, who's really in charge? Like, you know, me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I often get that all the time. And so um, it's one of those things, man, where you, it, again, it, it grows you in so, in so many ways, but you're also thankful for the, the the path knowing that it's not about I didn't get it easy or I got it out the mud like it's 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 beyond like the struggle of it but it's really looking at the beauty of the lessons that like I wouldn't know what I know now if I didn't have you know if if God didn't give me those little baby steps that I had to take so yeah um, so yeah man that's that's a little bit about the journey and and, and, yeah, that's dope, man. And I, and I and I wanted to ask because I just I think I think a lot of a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs or want to be wealth and, and I and I use like entrepreneurship as an end all be all for like creating something that was never creating or like breaking a generational curse, which mm-hmm. which starts in the mind. Like when, when whenever whenever you're doing that, it's like you, you know you have you have like two, we got two minds, right? We got the reason mind, which is the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, which is the mind of faith. And a lot of times the way the world works is the world says, think with the reason mind first. And and I'm like, well, if you do that, you're just going to keep creating the same thing that you're like creating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we must learn to think from the, you know, use the reason mind to focus. Right. Right. But, but think with the mind of faith, which is like creating something that's never been expressed before, which is like count. It's a, it's a, it's just a different way to think. Right. And so yeah. I think, but I think learning to think that way is part of how we as a culture rise because then we go, Oh, there's no limitate. Like the, the man can't stop me. Uh, mm-hmm. Geography can't stop me. Uh, sex can't stop me. Sexual preference can't stop me. You can have, ignorant ass people who believe what they believe about it but but if, if i'm using my subcon if i'm using the mind of faith and they're using the mind of reason then like you, i got power you, you could never yeah you could never tap into what i'm <laughs> what i'm doing and 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 the, 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 the vibrancy and the frequency that i'm on you could you could never tap into that and we we talk about that and we use languages like a vibe and you know um and, and we were talking about this before we we got on about just no matter if it's religion, if it's, you know, science, if it's, you know, um, uh, you know, if, if it's philosophy, if it's, if it's, oh, I'm, I'm more spiritual than I am religious, you know, it's all the same, same thing. We're just using a different dialect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, different, we're using a different dialect, different language, but it's all saying the same thing. There's a belief in a higher power. There's a belief in a, in a, in a system that we all must be subjected to no matter what, you know? And, and understanding that and, and understanding the differences between those two minds and putting that focus in the practical side. A lot of times I tell people I was successful because I was consistent and mm-hmm. I didn't stop. 
Hmm. You know, it was not that I was a genius, right? Or, or I did something different because it changed every year. Like I had a new revelation, a new, <laughs> it changed. Like the, the vision kept morphing, the vision kept tailoring to what people needed and it, it was fluid. But at the same time, it, 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 um, it, it, ha- it had, it could only grow as far as I was willing to grow as mm. an individual. Mm. And so that was the key part of it. People want to do things outside of box, but they're still rigid as a person. And then they're understanding why the two aren't met, you know, like, uh-huh. you, you know, yeah. like an orange, like a, a orange seed is never going to bear an apple. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you, you can plant as many orange seeds as you want and pray than an apple for, but it's never going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's a, it's one of those things where you just have to, um, you, once you figure it out, it's like, okay, I get it. And then now you're just kind of like taking it within stride. Right. Um, you, you, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. Right. But as you know, as an investor, your job is to stay, stay like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, the more you can stay like this, and and when this is happening, you 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 make out all right, 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 and 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 that's what really what we see in this kind of like the future of it, man. But what I'm really nervous, what scares me the most is that, um, with the influence of the culture, right, and social media, when we you know as we were talking about that, for the younger folks that are coming up. What, what I what I really love and enjoy and is um, I was just telling my um, director I was having a one on one earlier about I have two types of friends <laughs> in my life. I have I have friends that are kind of in their mid 30s to mid 40s that have young kids that are, you know, progressive, upperly mobile. And then my other set of friends are empty nesters. Mm. They're 55, 60 years old with kids that are in college, you know, grown kids that are like, those are my two sets of friends. Like literally I'm going to somebody's like 65th birthday party. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's so weird. But, but what I really appreciate the two is, is I appreciate intergenerational leadership. Right. And what I love about that is the energy and the creativity and the ingenuity of youth paired with the wisdom and the patience and the, practicality of our elders Mm. and i feel like if if more intergenerational leadership were to happen i think as a culture we would bridge a lot of divides internal like like internally in our own culture Mm -hmm. i feel like we would bridge a lot of the of the divides that we have within our own communities Um, that's a good point the energy yeah, I mean, it like 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 pairing that that old wisdom, that practicality, the you know those sayings that you know like don't make sense, but mm-hmm. you know like the fact that if your knee is aching, then it's gonna rain. Like like who made that up? Like if you know like if your joints if your joints are aching, then that means it's gonna rain. Like mm-hmm. that's some old. <laughs> and and they'd they be right on some of that stuff too, right? They be... <laughs> and you have no idea how how it makes sense and why it's always right. <laughs> But but that inner inner like the pairing and, and combination of inter, intergenerational leadership, man, I think is um a, a, a recipe for future generations to really um to really do this right. And and when I was when I started this the saying about what I'm talking about about the fear, 
is I feel like this this next generation, if you've like you've probably seen this brother, he's from Dallas. I think he lives in LA now. Uh his name is like Corporate Baddie or Corporate Bad Baddie. Hmm. Baddie Corporate Corporate Baddie. I haven't heard it's of this him. guy on Instagram. And what all he does is he posts these videos about Gen Z in the workplace. And they're hilarious because they're so true. Because like I feel like like Gen X is like like I feel like Gen X and millennials are like both analog and digital. So they grew up on kind of like both, you know, mm-hmm. like, especially with like the older millennials, like myself, we grew up on both analog and digital. Like we, we remember Nintendo and we also remember like, like PlayStation and all that, you know? And so this, this next generation, it's just like, they just don't care. Like they just don't, I mean, they don't care for authority they don't care for like like morals and like the context of morals might like, just mm-hmm. like literally have gone out the window. And so that's my fear is that with all the power that they possess in their hands, because they're born literally with like tablets and like iPads and, and information and chat GPT and AI, like imagine having that in middle school, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like because they're born with the power at their fingertips, without the patience and the wisdom and the old sayings, you know what I'm saying? Like like without the big mamas and the you know on the street that can give any, they had license to give everybody a whooping on the block. Like, <laughs> but, but and I'm curious to your thoughts though, man, because I've all I've all like a lot of a lot of my friends will say, man, I I uh, I miss living at home and. Uh, not having responsibilities, and I was like, nah, like if, if I, I never, I never desired that. Like once I left, but and and I, and I know you're similar, but but my point in that was, me and Kay talk about this. Like the new generation, I actually love their disrespect for authority. Like if I really, here's why it's because, liberating. It is. I will say, yeah, because if you think about evolution, like think about think about evolution, and then think about wisdom. You know, like an old person's wisdom. As as we get more wisdom, we would try to we would try to mansplain. As they say, man, we would try to mansplain evolution into not being chaotic. Evolution's like how did, how you think you got here? Like you were not a plan. Like you you were born out of chaos, literally. Like you know what I'm yeah. saying? And so I'm like the young people, and their disrespect for authority and their freeness and and uh, uh, you know like quote unquote to a fault inability to care about what other people think and what they present on the gram you know what i'm saying like they're 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 doing the things that we were doing uh as kids just exposed for the world to see and magnified but their lack of care about that to me is empowering because you got a lot of 40 50 60 70 yeah. year old people who are that unhappy sucks. who yeah. are unhappy because they care about what other people think i'm they like care well, too just, much. Just, yeah. yeah don't care what they think like just you know, no, you're right. I, I admire the, the, the freeness. I, I can't yeah. say I admire the disrespect, but I admire the freeness. <laughs> I, I think that's a different way to frame it. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I, I admire the free spiritedness that they have, but I but I, I can't get with the like, the, I mean, they just be socking teachers out in middle school, man. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, <laughs> in high school. Yeah, that part, that, that, that part they can. They can do with that, but you know, you can't, you, you can't, you can't get spontaneous combustion without. You know, they got, they, they, they got to learn. Be like, hey, look, teachers, sock their ass back. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, 
we need to enact paddles back in the school or yes, something. Yes, sir. Be like, if you touch me, I'm touch. What's that? Uh, eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. I'm taking your eye back. So, I, I mean, yeah, man. I, 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 I love the free spirited, but I, I think it needs to be, you know, in any, 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 anything, any too much of anything is a bad thing, right? Yeah, I drink too much orange juice, like, like my body is not gonna like me after a while. Yeah. Um. So I, I love the free spirit, but like, how do we harness that? And you know, it's kind of like Chat GPT, right? Like literally, like comparing these these. It's it literally is free. I don't mean free in the sense of economics. I mean like the possibilities are endless of what you can do with this technology, right? Mm-hmm. How do we harness that and like create some guardrails around it so that it doesn't kill us all <laughs> like like that's what I I, like, I take that analogy and I relate it to the generation like how do we harness that free spirit in a way that it doesn't kill us all <laughs> because <laughs> yeah we, we, we'll do, we, we can do a whole episode on that we can do a whole episode on that man but I do I look I do love taking it back to black venture I do love the 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 um the exposure I mean like I think I was at a Black VC summit in Tulsa um, a few months back, and like I was talking to some intern, or, or I mean, and just like how much he knew about the VC industry or just about venture capital. Like you could tell he lived, eat, breathed, you know, and sleeps it. Um, the exposure, man, and and, and just the, I mean, we, I mean, we know this, like you know, just the. What what these kids are learning at such an early age is just fascinating mm-hmm. to watch and to see. And and you know, I'm 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 hands off in terms of like like right now, just kind of seeing what my sons gravitate to. You know, I don't want to be one of those dads that pushes football on them or pushes basketball or track, you know, on them, just kind of seeing where they where they float to by by putting them in an environment that they can expose themselves to different things and then trying to see how to, you know. What do they gravitate mm-hmm. to, and then pushing them toward, towards that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what the world is going to look like that my kids, that our kids, are going to inherit. I know. Like I, like I don't know what that world is going to look like. Like, are we going to have a new uh, monetary system? One hundred percent. That's that's one hundred percent going to happen. One. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's going to be the 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 you know the the, the tender of choice, like, is it going to be yen or is it going to be <laughs> or the U.S. dollar or is it going to be? Yeah, we 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 can do a whole episode on that. I just know I just know the backing of it. The the pristine collateral will be Bitcoin. It may or may not be how we trade. It may be it may be dollars, yen, Doge, <laughs> Ethereum, how we transact in. But the 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 pristine collateral. I'm yeah, pretty sure it would be would be Bitcoin, but yeah, man. I look. Uh, I appreciate your your insights, your thoughts, man. I you know I think uh, if you're open to it, I want to just touch base more often and, and check in on you what's going on. Yeah, but let everybody yeah. know how they can uh, reach you or, or like what's going on in, in your world, what you got coming up. I know you're doing happy hours too. You know, yeah, uh, we got of- a happy hour coming up uh, next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if you're an entrepreneur looking to get involved with any of our accelerator programs or looking for capital, once our, our fund, um, our investing cycle, um, is, is open, you can go to, um, uh, impact ventures.co. 
uh, impact-ventures.co uh, to our website um, and uh, subscribe to our newsletter uh, where you can get all this information. Um, next week, we have a, a, our community happy hour. We typically do this at about week six of every program where we bring together our alumni, our current founders, mentors, corporate partners uh, for a, a happy hour just to kind of come together um, and, and, and meet each other, celebrate, um, uh, build relationships, um, share wins um, that our founders are having in the community. Um, and that's happening um, on the 21st, so next Wednesday um, at Pegasus Park uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, there'll be uh, food, drinks, and things. It's a free event, so uh, you can uh, um, check that out. If you go to any of our social media pages um, at Impact Ventures, you'll, you can find how to RSVP um, to that. Um, yeah, if you're looking to um, um, get involved, we, are, uh, we have community advisory boards and councils that we're setting up um, to, to get individuals that uh, may not be entrepreneurs entrepreneurs but want to um, volunteer their time and expertise um, you can become a mentor so there's a mentor sign up opportunity on the website as well uh, so a number of ways to get in, get involved with what we're doing here in, in Dallas uh, and beyond and so um, yeah that's that's how you can find us uh, you can add me on LinkedIn um, if you're watching this you're probably on LinkedIn because it's, it's being shared there but feel free to send me a connect button uh, and we can stay connected um, there. But man, thanks for having me on on the on the show again, brother. It's always a pleasure to talk shop with you. And uh, you see the see see the old uh, uh, the homage back there. That I- <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's like my, my favorite leader jacket. Like Interchangeable with Terry. Yes, um, sir. Man, th- thanks for sharing. Hold on for a second while I play this outro, and then uh, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, we'll talk for thirty seconds. And I'll let you go. Okay. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.